I V M. Hey everybody, welcome to another amazing week on the IVM Podcast Network. If you aren't following us on social media, please do. We're IVM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Paytm Money, for supporting the network. Guys, you should definitely check out some of the content that we're doing recently, which is somewhat COVID-related. Pavan's been doing an awesome job on the Pragati Podcast. All Things Policy has also got a tremendous number of really, really great episodes about what's going on and the impact. We talk about this stuff on Cyrus Says, especially in the Cock and Bull episode, on advertising instead. Varun's had a couple of episodes where he's spoken about the impact of this as is Karthik on the Filter Coffee podcast and I mean like you know across the network definitely do check it out I'm sure you'll enjoy yourself and with that let's get you to your show BQ Big Decisions the Bloomberg Queen podcast that helps you make the right financial choices Hello and thanks for listening in this is BQ Big Decisions and I'm Alex Matthew. You know, if there's one positive outcome from this lockdown, it's that I've been cooking a lot more. I feel like I've gone up a level or two, you know. I even managed to make a biryani the other day. And funnily enough, a biryani would be the perfect analogy to explain what we're talking about today. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me first introduce my guest, Mrina Garwal, financial planner and educator. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Alex. Now, Nin, I suppose we shouldn't be too surprised, but there have been a lot of redemptions from fixed income mutual fund schemes over the past few days. And all of this, of course, stems from the winding down of the six uh, fixed income schemes uh, from Franklin Templeton. And we've discussed the reasons why that happened and the likely impact on the mutual fund industry in two conversations that we had last week. But this week, I'd like to talk about strategy, something that savvy investors practice already and something that could hold you in good stead in the future. Mrin, we were discussing this when we spoke earlier today uh, about the big learnings from this entire fiasco. And you pointed out that there is a need to have a core allocation and a tactical allocation when you're pursuing a financial goal. What's that all about? Um, in when you're building up your portfolio, there are two things that you need to do. One is divide your money where it's among different asset classes, like, for example, bonds, equities, gold, etc. And the other thing is that within that asset class, you need to have diversification within that asset class. You need to be diversified among a couple of funds. So what we find is that people choose these funds based on returns. But what you need to have is that you need to have a core portfolio of funds. And these are like funds which you have chosen as per your risk profile, which you're going to hold for up to your goal, basically. And at the same time, if you have the appetite for it and you feel that I, I can invest some amount of this allocation into a riskier investment so that I can pump up my returns over the long term, then you choose a different set of funds, which is known as a tactical allocation. So the whole idea is that you have your core set of funds that you've invested for your goals. And then um, again, based on your risk appetite and uh, the need to basically um, grow your portfolio, you choose some funds which are meant for tactical allocation. So now... 
for example, uh, if we look at the Templeton funds, these were actually tactical allocation funds because these were basically credit risk funds. So they were investing in bonds which were lower rated. This cannot be your core allocation because let's say you have a three-year goal and you want the money after three years. Um, you cannot be stuck in a fund like this, which could be volatile. So what we're seeing right now is the people whom they've lent money to are not able to pay back. And yes. so if you as an investor, for example, invested for a three-year goal and you're stuck in the situation right now, then yeah. that's not a very good situation to be in. So you need to have your core allocation. And if you feel that I want to pump up my returns and I'm able to take the risk, uh, and the volatility, then you do a tactical allocation into a certain set of funds. And obviously, core allocation has to be much larger than the tactical allocation. So I think, Min, the analogy that I was talking about right at the start of this conversation, that's the biryani analogy. I think that makes a lot of sense in this uh, particular context, because when you're making biryani or anything else for that matter, you need to have a certain amount of rice, you need to have a certain amount of the other things and the masala, uh, the thing that really gives you that uh, taste of the biryani, it has to be a certain portion of the entire mix. And if you go overboard with the masala, then you're not going to have a very tasty biryani at the end of it, right? So I, I think the kicker here or the tactical allocation can be talked about in terms of the masala. So you're not yeah. going to put too much. You're just going to have enough to make it into biryani. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so enough of the of the you know the cooking analogies here, but let's talk about uh, you know is this an approach that you have for each goal, or is it something that you do on the portfolio level? I think you can think of it at a portfolio level or at a goal level. I mean, both work basically. Um, so let me give you an example. Uh, let us say that. Uh, you have a goal which is 15 years away. Now, uh, you might be a very moderate investor. So you might say that even for 15 years, I just want to put money into a balanced fund. But there could be a small allocation that you might do towards this particular goal into a mid-cap or a small-cap fund to say that over a longer period of time, mid-caps and small-caps do give better returns. So let me put some money there. So I think it's easier to track it on a goal level than at a portfolio level because there might be certain goals where you don't want to take this sort of tactical allocation. Like, uh, for example, let's say you're saving for the down payment of a house, which is five years away. And um, so the two options that you have is that you could look at a debt fund or you could look at maybe some allocation into a balance fund. But uh, you may just decide that, no, I'm just better off with the debt fund. So I think it obviously makes more sense to just do it at a goal level. So the other question I had, Mrin, with regard to this tactical allocation is that, um, is it entirely dependent on your risk profile? Is there a percentage uh, that you have to bear in mind? It's entirely dependent on your risk profile. And there's no particular thumb rule to say that how much should be tactical and how much should be core. But certainly, I believe that tactical allocation should not be more than 10-15%, honestly. 
Okay, that's a good, uh, at least a good thumb rule to follow. Uh, and in this situation, of course, uh, it all boils down, like you said, to the risk profile. And what you do is you need to f- consult with a financial advisor uh, to understand what your risk profile is, because there are tests that you can take. We've actually discussed this, incidentally, on a BQ Big Decisions uh, podcast, uh, how to understand your risk profile and why it is so important. But what you're essentially saying in this uh, regard is that the old rules stay uh, in this case, right? When it comes to choice of assets, for goals that are less than five years away, you go for debt investments. And for goals that are more than five years away, you go for equity investments. But even within that, you need to have a core and tactical allocation. So let's take a scenario where uh, you have uh, a requirement for debt allocation, right? Where your goal is about three years away or a little over three years away. Uh, How would you go about the allocation for that in an ideal situation? So ideally, I would allocate that to short-term debt funds. Now, if you look at within the debt funds category, there are actually 16 categories of funds. And it is my belief that most of these categories are actually not suitable for um, individual investors. And I think there are only five categories that are suitable. Um, So, of course, you have the overnight funds, which is for a very short term. And then you have the ultra short term and the low duration funds, which are really meant for periods of like less than three years. So basically three months to three years. And then you have the short term funds. Now, in my experience, I have not found uh, on if you look at if you look at from a longer term perspective, uh, in my experience, I have seen that the short term funds actually give the best risk adjusted returns. And that is why for periods above three years, I, uh, I tend to only recommend the short-term funds. So okay. now, uh, since the goal is for three years, uh, the choice would be short-term funds. Of course, you have the options of credit funds and you have dynamic bond funds and all of those funds as well. But I yeah. would say that as a core allocation, I would just stick to short-term funds. And yeah. as a tactical allocation, uh, I may consider, depending uh, on what the view is, I might decide to either go in for uh, a dynamic bond fund or a credit fund. So I might decide to do a credit fund, you know, because I believe that I could get a higher return there. But then, you know, when you are doing tactical allocation, you have to really study the current market situation very well. And, you know, what is it that is being expected? And I'm not 100% sure that, you know, um, individual investors, especially DIY investors can do that. So I'll give another example of what you could do. Like, you know, you could decide that I will choose only short-term debt funds for the entire allocation. But within the short-term debt fund space, you have some funds which invest only in AAA bonds. You have some funds which do take uh, some amount of allocation to government securities. Um, so, uh, so you know, what you could do is that take a combination of funds there. So some which are ultra conservative or conservative and take one fund, you know, which could be slightly more aggressive in the short term space. So um, you have funds which have, let's say, a 25 percent allocation to guilt. That will be a more aggressive short term fund. Right. So, so within the same short term fund category, you could just decide to choose mainly 
uh, funds as per your risk profile and then choose one aggressive short term fund because mrin this is exactly what i think uh, some of my peers have spoken about uh, over the last week is that the the regulations required mutual funds to have uh, different buckets based on the duration of uh, the papers that they were holding but there was no um, restriction based on the quality of the paper uh, that they were holding yeah. uh, which is what the primary problem in this franklin templeton case was was that they had a large number of uh, papers that were double a or less uh, which is why they had a problem in terms of liquidity so i also wanted to ask you on this conversation when you're actually going out to choose a fixed income scheme uh, what are the things that you need to bear in mind to ensure that you don't fall into a similar problem because i think people would have been buying into the ultra short term franklin templeton uh, scheme thinking hey you know what's the problem here but actually that was one of the schemes that was wound down as well yes so i as you correctly said um the credit quality of the portfolio is really important and many times um people look at the schemes and saying oh this is giving me a 1% extra return so might as well put my money here but they don't look at the risk associated so it's very important point number 1 you do need to check the credit quality of the scheme uh, for for a retail investor who doesn't know what this means it is basically seeing the amount of triple a holding that the fund has each fund fact sheet has this information uh, clearly yeah. listed out um other than that um uh, you also need to consider the yield to maturity or the ytm of the funds and the expense ratio now all this while uh, people have essentially chosen funds you know maybe going also by the pedigree of the fund house and uh, looking at the returns but i think the time has really come for people to spend much more time on their product choices because yeah. at the end of the day that's what you know you could have the right asset allocation but then within that if you choose the wrong products your asset allocation is also going to go for a toss so so uh, you know choosing the right allocation is not enough uh, you also have to make the right product choices for which you also need to spend some time uh, researching or you know uh, talking with your uh, financial planner as to why is that person recommending this particular scheme and yeah. as far as uh, debt funds are concerned as i uh, as i said the credit quality um the yield to maturity and expense ratio now if you do a comparative analysis of the yield to maturity and expense ratio you would find most of them would be within a range and i think a simple thing for all investors would be to say that if there is a scheme which is really out of the range um you know maybe we should not be choosing this particular scheme um okay. so you know those are like simple things that it, it's like saying you know like okay if there you have scheduled commercial banks and you have cooperative banks and you keep the cooperative ones away for your fts right so you say i don't want to go with those cooperative banks i only want to yeah. go with the scheduled commercial banks so yeah. that could be a way to kind of um uh, for individual investors who do not have much investment knowledge to actually figure out which is the right fund to get into very simply on this yield to maturity point in case um, you know some of my listeners are unfamiliar with the term it's essentially if you were to buy a corporate bond today and if you were to hold it till the time that it matures uh, the yield that you get suppose they're offering you a coupon of 8% that 8% would be the yield to maturity now 
very simply, if you are uh, an individual borrower who is not very credit worthy, when you go to the bank to borrow money, the bank will obviously ask you to pay a higher rate of interest. And that same concept is applicable when it comes to corporates as well. So you would have lower rated corporates or corporates that are not very credit worthy paying a large amount of interest or a higher rate of interest for the money that they borrow. So a higher yield to maturity is a telltale sign of a lower quality portfolio. And that's something that should be a red flag, right, Min? Yes. All right. So I think that uh, more or less covers the choice of, uh, uh, you know, a fixed income scheme. And also, I, I think that covers um, the strategy in terms of building a portfolio, which really is, an, is, is nine tenths of the rule, right? Yes. Yes. All right, Min. I think that covers most of the aspects that we wanted to cover. And I think it's been a very informative conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure to be on BQ Podcast with you, Alex. And to you, dear listener, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you as well. I hope this conversation helped you out. Just wanted to remind you, there's a lot more that you can read, view and listen to on the website as well. So do check that out. That's BloombergQuint.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is Alex Matthews signing off. Have a great weekend. If you enjoyed Big Decisions, check out some other podcasts on the IVM Podcast Network. You can check out Pesa Vesa hosted by Anupam Gupta. Advertising is Dead hosted by Varun Dugirala. The Ronnie Screwwala Podcast hosted by Ronnie Screwwala or Cyrus Says hosted by Cyrus Procha. These shows are available on the IVM Podcast website, app or wherever you get your podcast from. Advertising is dead. Yep, you heard me right. Advertising is dead. We're all in the content business now. Let's not call it news, TV, radio, etc, etc. It's all content and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet. We're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now, but rather the wider stuff about advertising, media, content and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it. Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch, and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead. Look, up in the internet, it's a meme. No, it's a cat video. No, it's the Geek Fruit Podcast. That's right, we interrupt this riveting broadcast to tell you about our show, The Geek Fruit Podcast, where Tejas, Dinkar, and I, Jishnu, talk about everything in pop culture, including DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Netflix, and everything in between. You know how your friends hate it when you ramble about some nerdy crap and you just want somebody to listen to you? Well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about that, but come listen to us ramble and it'll almost be like the real thing. Kind of. Listen to new episodes of the Geek Fruit Podcast every Monday and the Geek Fruit Bulletin every Thursday on iTunes, Google Podcasts, the IVM app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy listening, you nerds.